What's up, my innovative creatives? Welcome to Ranting Through Life, where we visualize the creative soul. I'm your host, multifaceted creative Janulisa, and today we are continuing our May You Be Well creative series with another neurodivergent. Today's neurodivergent that we are going to take a deep dive into is going to be dyslexia. Let's go. Okay, so with all these neurodivergents that we are talking about this month, uh, the, the few neurodivergents and the idea of neurodiversity that we are talking about this month, we are, of course, focusing on the creative ones or the ones that are linked to creativity stronger. And so today we're going to look into dyslexia and how easy, of course, it might be for someone to connect this neurodivergent to creativity. And so as we talked about in our first May You Be Well Creative episode this year, we talked about a whole bunch of different um, celebrities who have dyslexia, like Jennifer Anston and Keanu Reeves and Cher and so many more. So, so many of these celebrity creatives have dyslexia or found out that they have dyslexia over the years yours truly this creative over here is dyslexic and it's so interesting to to see why that would be linked with creativity so much and honestly even before I break down like the definition of well no let me break down the definition for you so you can see why of course, this is going to be something where it's like, oh, yeah, you're probably going to be extremely creative because the way that you're having to read, write, and process language is kind of abstract if you you don't have this neuro, neuro, neurodivergence. So dyslexia, as said by WebMD, is a learning disorder that affects your ability to read, spell, write, and speak. Kids who have it are often smart and hardworking, but they have trouble connecting the letters they see to the sounds those letters make. This article goes on to say that approximately 5% to 10% of Americans have symptoms of dyslexia, slow reading, trouble spelling, mixing up words. Dyslexia is linked to genetics And it was saying that the part of the brain that processes language when they they scan brains with dyslexia versus brains that are non-dyslexic, they were saying that the part of the brain that processes language for a dyslexic person, it processes it differently. It's not lighting up or whatever in the same way that it would for someone who is not dyslexic. In, in a separate article, not on WebMD, on the Psychology Today article, it was saying that there's no cure for dyslexia yeah, and the way that a dyslexic brain works when it's reading, writing, and just processing language is going to be with its right brain instead of its left brain. And the left brain is normally the, 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 si- the left brain hemisphere of the brain is normally going to be that side of the brain that we process language with um, for for someone without dyslexia. So it was, it's interesting to see is like, oh, so you, the right side is known to be 
I think the creative side of the brain or something like that, or the op- like it's it's like opposite or something like that. So it's interesting that it's like, oh, interesting how it's going to be the opposite and that's going to make for a more creative thing because in order to process language, a dyslexic person might do something like using images to link to to words or anything like that. They might use mnemonic devices. Yeah, and it says that they're going to be more visual and spatical thinkers because that's just the easier way to learn. That's the way that they're going to learn. And like last week when we talked about those eight modalities, I still can't pronounce that word, we were we were saying that visual and and spatical are are on there and so it's so that is going to be a very creative way of just thinking in general so in instead of like the stigmas that come with dyslexia like when when someone says they have dyslexia you like not you but someone might be like oh they're slow they're something like that and it's like no they're just learning in a different way like i have dyslexia and it's really funny because growing up, I like had to take like side classes just for like my reading and writing and stuff in elementary school. But when in high school I was learning Spanish, I was like top of my class. And now that I'm learning Spanish again, I'm like, why is this language like I could see the Spanish language a lot better than I can see the English language even though it's my language, like my first language, I'm like, this is harder to comprehend. Even today, I have known that I was dyslexic since I was like seven and and to just see these different things. So it is fun that it's like, oh, a, a dyslexic person might add rhythm as they're spelling a word or something. And that's probably how they're always going to to visualize or see or get that word out and it might be a little harder when you're like oh how do you spell this thing or how do you say this thing or something like that because if that person is not familiar with the word and it doesn't make sense to them like a lot (laughs) for me especially the the English language does where it's just like that wasn't the rule too like it, it it's like so that's not following the rule so now I have to think of something different that's going to to make this easier for me to figure out. Um, today we're going to actually just jump straight into our fictional creative because I think this is a very important conversation to have, especially when you are looking at younger people or younger creatives and, and stuff like that. This is a very important conversation to have just to destigmatize certain things. So our fictional creative today is going to be Max Lopez, played by Luis Armand Garcia on the six-season sitcom George Lopez. It started in 2002, and in episode episode three of season two, you find out that Max has dyslexia, and the school wants him to take what they call special ed classes. I feel like when I was in school, we didn't call it special ed, but now that I think about it, of course it's special ed, but special ed was referred to in a different way than even like the tutors that I was having on the side. Like I got pulled out of class to focus on my reading and writing 
and I only had, it was just me and, and the tutor or whatever. And like, that was happening just the school that I went to, God bless New Orleans, the school that I went to did focus on making sure each individual student got what they needed. So some kids might be pulled out of class to get extra help with math or anything like that. So that's a blessing. But in in this episode, Max's school wants him to take special classes. And when George and Angie find out, George is so against this. He He's against this because he was made fun of as a kid. And he was like, he didn't want his child to suffer in that way and be picked on and it's the stigma the stigma around this and Max was struggling in in class and he wasn't focused because he didn't he didn't get it and because kids are so mean and sometimes parents are so mean and not parents uh, well yeah parents and and teachers can be so belittling when it's like oh you don't get something and he was just had that fear that that would happen to him and, and stuff like that, so he would rather struggle or act out in class so he didn't have to to focus on what was happening and the fact that it's like, oh, he didn't get it. And I know a lot of people who, whether dyslexic or not, like being called on in class to read was trauma. Like it was like traumatic. And like something that I used to do is like, I would count the people in class because it would be like, oh, you have to read by paragraphs or something like that. So I would count which paragraph is going to be mine and I would try to semi-memorize it and like just look over it a bajillion times and I would still mess up all the time because that's just not, that's not how I process words. Even when I'm memorizing scripts or anything like that, it's just not how it, how it works. And so in this episode, Max is struggling and all this kind of stuff. And when George realizes that he's dyslexic and he's older or something like that, not older, like middle-aged or whatever, and he's like, dang, maybe if I had help for this or, or saw the tools that might help me through this and just found a different way to learn, it might be easier. And Max comes downstairs and he's all like, yeah, I just have to wake up. 30 minutes earlier just so I can so I can you know make sure I don't have to go to the special class and and then it dawns on George that it's like well maybe right now it's 30 minutes earlier but maybe later it's going to be like two hours earlier and it's just going to get further and further instead of like learning how to actually learn in the way that benefits you and that's what this whole series this month is is focusing on it's like Learning your creative style, whether you have these neurodivergence or not, you might be able to learn something a little differently by learning a little bit about about these these different neurodivergence. So yeah, I just I I, I wanted I think it's a, such a very important thing because Max also goes on to throughout the series be a pretty innovative kid, like creating different stuff and all this kind of stuff. And even before that, he was doing that. It was just like in school, he was having a harder time. And because they were able to to tackle that, it does become easier to express the other sides of you because you're you're able to focus on them instead of having to focus on trying to figure out how to learn in a way that doesn't suit you. And same with 
when it comes to learning how to create, you need to learn how to create in a way that benefits or suits you. See, see what I did there? Like this is still about your creative soul. And as we're learning about these neurodivergence, they're teaching us different ways to to go about how we create and how we think about creating and how we are going to get those new innovative ideas. And yes, all of these things are going to kind of sum up in a way where I'm going to tell you to think outside of the box, but maybe you don't know which box that you're supposed to be thinking outside of because you either don't know you might have a neurodivergent, maybe you're too busy thinking about someone else's neurodivergent and not just appreciating the neurodiversity in the world when you come into seeking a a partner in your creative endeavors or a or a co-host or something like that. If if you are seeking someone, you you might like look and be like, "Oh, this person's like really different." And instead of embracing that and celebrating that, you're you're looking down on it and thinking about the stigmas or how it might look, how how Max and George were thinking about this. And then they found a really cool way to read. Like they were wearing these glasses at a point and it was like I guess the colors show up for them differently or I don't know I don't remember what it is but that looked cool I wish that I had something like that growing up that looked so cool and creativity the continuum by Haley Buter on blog.dyslexia.com in this article she was saying that dyslexics find different and creative solutions for coping with strategies tasks and situations they find difficult or strenuous so she was saying how a dyslexic person is probably going to express their thoughts and ideas verbally or through pictures and images rather than written word so a dyslexic person might be a podcaster or something like that instead of write a bunch of blogs or something like that but it is even crazier because the psychology today article was listing all of these like really outknown writers that had dyslexia and it's like once you get past the part of like oh yeah your your spelling and grammar might be a little wonky but the stories and the plots and stuff that came from like these people with dyslexia you're like well, of course this person might have thought this way and as they figured out how to express it with probably a bajillion rewrites, it turns into something you've never seen before. It was talking about how Agatha Christie's the third best-selling, like she's third on the best-selling list behind William Shakespeare and the Bible. Like Agatha Christie, writer with dyslexia, right behind the Bible, which is number one bestseller and always has been. Shakespeare, who's Shakespeare. And then there's Agatha Christie, who's amazing. And her mysteries are wonderful. And the article said her brain was wired differently. So her novels were wired differently. And that's what we have to realize when, when we're creating, when we are going about our creative professional lives, we have to to think about what is that thing that makes me different, whether it is your neurodiversity, whether it is just your personality, maybe it's that, maybe whatever it is, use that. Don't don't try to do what the next person's doing 
and lose out on the beautiful thing that you have because you are trying to mimic or copy something else, you should be like, dang, so it might be more difficult for me to read in English or something like that, or it might be more difficult for me to do this. And so then you create through the place that you know. If you want to write, create the stories, create the stories. Spelling and grammar is in editing. Do that later, edit later. So create the, the outline of what that looks like. If you have trouble writing, then maybe get a voice recorder and, and let it write for you. You know, there's those things where you can like talk into your phone or, or into a recorder and it will, it will write the story for you. Um, if you just want to tell yourself a story and then, um, write it out later or something like that, if that's the easier thing, if you are someone that has dyslexia or something, but even if you don't, if you are realizing that the way you've been going about being creative isn't working for you, you owe it to your creative soul to to change it up and, and do something a little different. Dyslexics are going to be a visual or spatical thinker. Yeah, spatical thinker. Um, and we were talking last week about autism and that's going to be more of a logical thinker you still have to, with all of it, figure out which um, modality you're specifically working with, and that will be how you're able to learn. And once you learn how to to learn, you're going to learn how to create and innovate in whatever genre or field or whatever you're going to call it that you're creating in, and you're going to be better off for it. That was a little dive in to dyslexia. And I am so glad that you guys have joined me on this journey to looking into these different neurodivergence. I've been having so much fun with you guys. And thank you so much for joining us today on Ranting Through Life. If you just go to wherever you're listening, rate, review, subscribe, leave an awesome comment. You guys can DM me on Instagram at creativesoulrtl, and I would love to hear about you guys' creative journeys. I would love to know about your neurodiverse lives and how it's affecting your creative journey. If you want to help the show in a monetary way, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Alisa. That's buymeacoffee.com slash J-H-O-N-U-A-L-I-C-I-A. And you'll be able to contribute to the show in a monetary way. As always, you are the beholder of your creative soul.